Yes, people, it's episode 316 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? Are you well? It is Saturday the 11th of March, and um, yeah, I'm sat in the kitchen. Throat's a bit sore, because I think my daughter's ill, because that's what they do at that age. They're just little disease monsters, little viral monsters, bacterial monsters. <laughs> Was full of stuff, and uh, yeah, I think I've, I've caught something off her, but it's all good, it's all good. If yeah, it's not kicking her ass, not kicking mine, it's all good. Sorry, try not to burp into the mic because that is disgusting, no one needs to hear that. Um, yeah, so how you doing? Are you well? Uh, there was no pod last week. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you missed me. Um, and if you didn't notice, hey, yeah, fuck you, then, innit? Yeah, forget you, thought we were mates. Where was the messages to say, hey man, where's the pod? Is everything okay? <laughs> but no, uh, all jokes aside, everything is okay. Uh, what was happening was uh, my my wife was too busy giving birth. And I thought, you know, could record the pod. But that seems inappropriate. And then the next day, I was like, well, there's a, there's a child. There's a new kid on the block. Um... So, pod dropped in my priorities. Then it was Monday, uh, and I hadn't slept. And then it was Tuesday, and it, it was like, oh, I'm pretty tired, and I've got some other stuff to do in the house. And then Wednesday, then Thursday, I was like, how about I just don't record an episode? And then suddenly, the stress of recording the episode just disappeared. And that's what I did. So, yes, in the middle of that story, you would have heard, uh, Naomi did give birth. And there is now a fourth member to the Griffiths uh, family, which is just fantastic. Um, feeling very, feeling very blessed. Um, feeling great. He's a boy. It's a, a lad. His name is. You pronounce how you want to pronounce it. X A V I E R. His mum pronounced it as Xavier. I pronounce it as Xavier. Some viewers would pronounce it as Xavier. Now, at first, I was precious about it, going, obviously, no one pronounce how she wants to pronounce it, I pronounce how I want to pronounce it, but no one can pronounce it as Xavier because my name is not D. Aaron. Okay, we're not just saying the letter, the first letter as the letter, it's just no other names. Any name. Any name, no one. M. Afew. S. Iman. J on like not no but for example for whatever reason X Xavier has become a popular way of pronouncing the name but guess what I was precious about it and I thought do you know what when he gets older he can get precious about it if he's a chilled out person and doesn't care maybe having two parents pronounce it differently may even make him more chilled out as well as when he meets meets a French person they're gonna be like Xavier when he meets his meets his, you know, when he meets a Spanish person, you know, he'd be, he'd be Xavier. If he meets someone who's Catalan, it'd be like Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> his name's gonna be said in multiple ways, so he just needs to get used to that. But yeah, he's here, um, seemingly healthy and all good. So mum's doing well. Um, and then eldest Sadie, she's. How's she adjusting to having 
uh, a younger brother. Does she know it's her younger brother? I'm not sure. She day one was overwhelming for her because no one got booted out of the hospital the day after. Yeah, this woman had a cesarean and they're like, "Cool, you seem good to go get out of here." Is that like, okay? I don't know if she even got like a leaflet to say what you're meant to do <laughs> or what you're not meant to do. But yeah, booted out the next day. He was born Saturday night, like just before midnight. And then, um, yeah, we was out, out there by late Sunday afternoon. Caesarean, that major abdominal surgery. You, you don't need to stay for any longer. No. Kicked out. But, um, so we back, came back Sunday. My mum and my sister in the house. We did the whole, you know, take a video of their first ever meet. Because this is something that would be great to show them when they're older. Then my sister realised that she hadn't pressed record. So instead, the first video is of me looking at my sister like, what the fuck, man? How did you not record? And she's trying not to laugh. <laughs> and the fact that she messed it up so badly. But um, but there's photos and there's, there's other videos of that first moment, but not the first moment. Even though there was so many recording devices available to capture it and um yeah Sadie knew there's a baby on the way uh she recognized that the 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 baby in the carrier was a baby um she tried to rock the the car seat while he was in there the problem was is that obviously Naomi's had a major surgery she can't pick Zadie up so the Naomi's a very active parent like to the point where she was 39 weeks pregnant she was still climbing through one of those uh, you know those adventure playgrounds you know like the ones that got like the nets and the tunnels and the slides that you know that, that kids run through they have them like middle shopping centres and stuff yeah she was climbing through that with Zadie at 39 weeks so Zadie knows that when I play, mummy plays with me. So to go from that to, I can't pick you up. Well, alarm bells start ringing in Zadie's head. Well, gets mad upset. So for the first few, so it's been like a week. Well, yeah, almost a full week now. And, um, and yeah, and Zadie, Zadie, that's it. I think day two, Zadie acknowledged the baby was here forever. She's acknowledged that. Baby's here forever. I'm saying you know, she's only 19 months. <laughs> but I can tell she's acknowledged the baby's here forever. The baby's a perfect fixture. And um, she likes the baby. She does like the baby. She has some kind of protective instinct over the baby, which is amazing to see just from like a David Attenborough human slash animal level, right? That, you know, these big concepts in the world. She probably doesn't understand a sibling relationship yet. But give an example, it's downstairs, me and her watching cartoons. And she hears and I think for this little part of the time downstairs, the baby doesn't exist. No one exists. It this one thinking in my head that she thinks nothing else exists because it's just me and her. When we watch TV, then the baby wakes up and starts crying. And she looks at me, she goes, Baby? I'm like, Yeah. And then she bolts up. She's watching Hey Dougie. She bolts up onto her feet, runs to the stair gate, and starts like rattling the stair gate. I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes. 
I open up the stair gate. She's she's climbing up these stairs. Like you can tell you can tell there's a natural sense of urgency. And she's going, Baby and baby. I'm like, What? And then she comes bursting through the and then the funny thing is that's it, Naomi's waiting for her on the landing. She settled the baby. She's waiting for her on the landing to say, Hello. Zadie pushes past Naomi and just says, Baby <laughs> runs to the baby and then she's looking at me. And Naomi going like, is the baby okay? Because the baby's making noise. And we're like, yeah, the baby's fine. And she's like, oh. Like, you can see them. <laughs> so, okay. Just making sure you guys had this under control. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. And then, uh, and then, yeah. But then, Naomi's trying to interact with us. She's, she's not, she doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. And it's to the point where, I think what's going through Zadie's mind is this. She has no resentment towards the baby. She likes the baby. Whenever the baby cries, she gives her one of her muslins. That's one of the things she's like day two. Zadie's comforter is like a muslin, right? And when she gets upset, she, she just needs to grab it. When she's tired, she rubs it into her, like, into her neck. Stuff. So, yeah, it just soothes her. She, like, she hurts herself. She gets frustrated. She gets like, The emotions blow up. And they go, do you want your muslin? She grabs it and she just sits there and just, like, calms herself down. So when the baby was crying the other day, she grabbed the muslin, walked over to the baby, and just kind of just scrunched it up into the baby's neck. Now, <laughs> I knew what the intention was. Nobody knew what the intention was. And it was like, that's such a sweet thing to instinctively go, baby's crying. I know when I'm upset, this helps me out. Here you go, baby, have this. And so like I said, she's protective. She's, it's really cute. And, the, and I said amazing to see because we haven't taught her to do this you know um, so she's interested in the baby but she knows that it's limited it's limited how much interest she can show she's 19 months right but I think what's happened is obviously where Naomi's have to prioritise the baby um, what Zadie wants is she wants Naomi first first and foremost she wants Naomi first and then if she can't get Naomi she's like I'm done with you then and then she comes to me. And then while I'm doing something with her, Naomi wants to settle um, Zavi and then come over and then be like, hey, baby. And Zadie is not interested at all. She's like, no, don't talk to me now. I wanted you then. I don't want you now. To the point where I was doing her hair. Obviously, Naomi does her hair quicker and better. Naomi came to help out. Um, Zadie's watching something on the phone. She turns back, sees that I'm not holding the comb. Naomi's holding the comb. This child grabs the comb out of Naomi's hand and gives it back to me. And almost looks at her mum as if to say, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's like dealing with a 19-year-old rather than a 19-month-old. It's, it's crazy. But we're starting to get more into a routine. Obviously, Naomi's getting feeling better. And um, we're getting to more of a routine. There's been some nice evenings where it's just been the four of us, chilled out, um, you know, and today was a good day in the sense of just got her up to bed, and she went to bed, just chilled, and yeah, it feels like we've taken a little baby steps, look, it's only been a week, and it'll, it'll be fine, but yeah, I, just, I've, I don't know why, I visualised when this new baby came, there'll be so much focus on the n- new baby, but in fact, it feels like there's been even more focus on the old baby. Because really, it's her world that's changed the most. I mean, our world has changed. We've got two bloody kids now. But 
obviously we knew this baby was coming, we knew the implications of it. Out of the three of us who were in the house before, her world's changed the most. I mean, Xavi's world's changed quite a lot. He was in the womb. Now he's in the outside world, but he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. But yeah. But that's it, man. Um, that's that's what's been going on in my week, in my personal life. I'm now a, a father of two, which is a crazy, crazy thing. I'm looking forward to bringing that into my show that I'll take to Edinburgh. Um, and all the work in progress shows for that. Talking about Edinburgh, that's all locked in now. Venues all booked. Um, so that's all good. Going to be at the Pleasants, Bunker One, which is a 56 seater venue. Um, so it's doable. It's, it's doable to try to sell that thing out every day. We've just got to attack it correctly. Um, which I'm optimistic about. I just need to make a really good show. That's it. I think we've, we're going to put the team together. We've got got PR locked in we're going to do PR with don't have a producer for the show I don't think a producer really added much value so I'm not too fussed about that I just wanted PR mainly and a good venue a good time um, get some good outdoor posters out and just get some good flyers motivated flyers and I know how to motivate them I know how to motivate them the way to motivate them is money <laughs> <laughs> that money and make them make them see the show and believe in it that's the first thing I need to do is get them to come to the show that makes perfect sense why not support that now get them to come to the show let them see the show let them really understand what the show is about let them see how it's important but to do that will make a good show right they've got to believe what they're flogging and um yeah It'll be, uh, be, yeah, like I said, it'd be good to introduce, integrate that into the show. Um, what else was I going to say? But oh, but yeah, I think that's uh, yes, Edinburgh. Um, what else? Oh, house move. That's next week, which is crazy. Hurtling towards that. Listen, I'm a modern man. I had a problem. I fixed it in the modern man way. I threw money at it, basically. <laughs> As you got the removal guys coming on the morning of the of the move, and I was just like, hold on, I've got a three bedroom house to pack up on my own, because ain't no way a woman who's just had a C section and we have two kids running around gonna be able to help me pack a house. Therefore, all I need to do is boot her out for the day um, or the evening. I can't put them up for the evening though because we've got bloody kids. Oh, this is just a nightmare. I don't know where they're going to stay the night before. They need to stay somewhere else, don't they? Oh, Jesus. How do we do this? <laughs> How do we do this? Anyone got any ideas? Remember, she can't drive either. But she needs car seats. So our car's out. Do I drive her to oh but driving her to my mum's is just not like that's not great either. Oh man. It's gonna be a pain in the anus. Well it's not it's not even oh Zavi it's, it's Zadie. Zadie has you know that, that age, they've got bedtime and everything. 
I need to find out where these move these uh, packers are coming. Sure, they can't be working in the night. They want to come the day before, won't they? Yeah. All right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be totally fine. Jesus, I realised we've got a hostel appointment in that more than this well. Golly. <laughs> Uh, golly, what time is that hostel appointment? Let me, let me just check. You know when some your wife's or your partner says something to you, so they've told you it, but your brain just has not processed what they've said. She's like, you've seen that they've got an appointment. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, eleven twenty. Okay, not too bad. All right, cool. It'll work out. It always work out because just. It's just how it works out, right? But yeah, it's a fun, interesting, philosophical thing. You know, this is a stressful time. Not people, you know, the health, not health is around midwife rounds. And we said, yeah, we're moving house. Like, when next Friday? Like, Jesus, like, picking such stressful things to do. I said to my mum's, because you know, those two are like the two of the most stressful things you can have, right? Having a child and moving house. And you're doing two in, in two weeks. And like, yeah, I know. Not the plan, but it is what it is. And um, not to be airy fairy, but I think in life you can approach things in a way that makes it more stressful than it is, simply by the language you use. Because really, not to dismiss any kind of mental health thing, but when you think about stress, stress doesn't exist as a physical thing, right? It's a combination of psychological, mental linguistic things right and i feel like you can control a lot of it so for example thinking about next friday thursday and friday and the saturday and getting the house ready stressful can be seen as stressful right while having two young kids and a partner that's kind of out of commission so it feels like you're doing it on your own stressful very stressful for a lot of people but then, as I was driving home the other day, I was just thought, I can see it's stressful, or I can frame it like this in my head. I've got the family that I've always wanted, and I'm about to move into a house that when we first saw it on Right Move, we both said, wow, that's the house we want, but we can't afford it. Like, there's no point putting in the offer that we can afford because they won't go for it. To the point where Naomi said, why are you showing me this house? That's annoying to show me that house. To the point where even when we made the offer for the house and it was accepted, Naomi still didn't show other people the house because just in case it didn't go through. And I thought, wow, we actually moved into that house. Well, the first of the house, I thought, was unattainable. Now I've got it. When I first saw the thought of having families unattainable, but I got it. And now to be in the moment where you're going to have it all together, and then to see that moment as stress, rather than seeing that moment as, wow, this is exactly what I want. It's a crazy trick that our mind plays on us, right? And just simply by just adjusting the language. So rather than me looking at next week and going, oh, this is stressful, I'm looking at next week and be like, this is flipping mental. This is exciting. And uh, I'm just going to kind of em- embrace the chaos. <laughs> That's it. Just embrace the chaos. Blessed by stress. 
we'll call it that. Uh, that's not to say I'm not acknowledging that it is going to be a mentally taxing moment. But it's such a step towards something that I want. It's... what? How can I not look at it positively? And that's, and that's what I'm going to choose to do. And... That's one of those just one of those moments I had of what I'd shared one of those philosophical moments because I think especially with these two kids now, uh, everything going crazy in the world, uh, life will potentially only get more stressful. So if if we can't get a grip of that ourselves, uh, no one's gonna try and grip that for us, and you're gonna have to try to find a way of dealing with it. I just think one of those ways to deal with it is just how you look at the world. I think the the world is full of perceptions, right? You know, when you get into a deep philosophical debate about truth, what is truth? What is reality? Is there one objective reality or is it just a culmination of subjectives and what we deem as reality is really just a consensus of all the different subjective point of views? of the most popular point of views if 90% of people say that the sky is blue then there's a consensus that the sky is blue and therefore that becomes reality I guess there was before gravity was discovered there would have been a consensus of why things fall to the ground until then someone theorised gravity and then it was like oh we've got a consensus now that gravity is now real oxygen is now real we just breathed before the air. What was the air? Air. You need air. What, what is air? It's, it's air. Then we realised that actually air is not just air. Air is, was it 70% nitrogen, 20% oxygen? Or was it 79% nitrogen? I can't remember. I, did, I, I got an A GCSE science. <laughs> is, is that 78 or 79% nitrogen, right? 20% oxygen. 0.04% carbon dioxide and then is that some other stuff? I'm going to google this because this is basic science um, <laughs> elements of air 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen and there's a small amount of other gases such as carbon dioxide, neon and hydrogen there you go so that is what the air is made of. The point I was making is what reality is. Okay, I got sidetracked. I was sounding really smart and philosophical, and then I hit real science, and I fell over. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's how I'm trying to approach the world. Now, as I said, it's it's, it's almost midnight. No, it's not almost midnight. It's an hour to midnight. So again, even those little things. I was just saying to Naomi, she. We was discussing about things that need doing in the house, and she said everything needs doing. I said, when you say everything needs doing, how many list what needs doing? She listed like three things. I said three things need doing. Three things is way more manageable than everything. And I don't think immediately that reduces the stress of what needs to be done. Like today, she goes, oh, I'm sorry, I've left the living room a mess. And so you can see his living room a mess or some toys need to be put away. Some coats need to be hung up. And some bags need to be just tidied. Now suddenly 
Oh, the mess is just these three kind of jobs that are very easy to do to the point that Zadie can do some of the jobs. <laughs> if you incentivize her with songs and noises, it's not that difficult. And um, yeah, I'll try. I'll try and have that as my approach to life, and I'd like to be able to. Yeah, I hope Naomi can on board with it and hopefully the kids will grow with that as well hopefully help them deal with stress obviously I don't want to be those weirdos who when there's you know shit really hits the fan they're like but what is a fan no no <laughs> no 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 there's a real fucking mess right here let's tidy up <laughs> let's tidy up this mess but yeah yeah anyway that's my life uh, what's been going on in the world well the big thing that's going on in the world um, is Gary Lineker Carolinica and the BBC picket line, the boycott. Um, if you don't know about the Gary Lineker story, uh, it's he tweeted about the recent immigration bill or migration bill, which is basically deemed it illegal for asylum seekers to get here by boat. And he said that the language being used around this is similar to. Uh, language used in 1930s Germany which is obviously when Nazis were uh, rising to power here's a funny thing I noticed about this quote just as I said it now he said 1930s Germany and everyone's like oh, he's, he's undermined the holocaust and he's, he's devalued you know, how tragic he was and this isn't a thing and that there's people on that side of it because he's been suspended he's been suspended by the BBC let me lay out the story properly so that's what happened to the tweet BBC said that they are um, he's taken a step back from Matter Day for now as they discuss what the outcome is you know what the policy is what the procedure is for his impartial tweets because he's an employee of the BBC, therefore he should be remaining impartial. That's the BBC policy. Then, uh, then it was revealed that he hadn't taken a step back by mutual consent. He had been suspended, and due to him being suspended from match of the day, uh, I think it was first Ian Wright who said, um, in solidarity, I will not be uh, working on match of the day this Saturday. Then Anna Shearer came next. Then Michael Richards, Jermaine Genus, um, Alex Scott. The last three weren't even due to work. They just made it clear that I weren't due to work, but if I was, I wouldn't be. Then punt, so it was punt, so now the presenter's gone, the pundits are gone. Then the commentators came out and said, we ain't working. <laughs> so now the BBC are doing match of the day with no commentary, no analysis, just highlights. Go watch YouTube. <laughs> go watch YouTube now the arguments um, for his suspension is this he's a BBC employee he's meant to remain neutral um, and that he'd been he'd been some people are deeming it as trolling uh, the political right for many years with his tweets he, he's always He's, he's, he appears to be a left-leaning person and he's always tweeting. Always tweeting. And so those are the people for a suspension. Um, 
this is extreme. Some people are saying he therefore is suspension because of they don't actually agree with his view. Um, so to a point where the fundamental part of the view that it he's supporting illegal immigrants coming over here, not asylum seekers, illegal immigrants. Um, or he's diminishing how dangerous these boat crossings are. And then there's others who are saying that he's basically campaigning for the Labour Party, so therefore he's not politically impartial. Um, then there's the thing of the 1930s Germany comment. People say that undermines uh, the Holocaust and Jewish suffering. That's what Suella Braverman's defence was, because her husband's Jewish. Gave me a real sense of my best friend's black. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the people um, for Gary uh, are the free speech people. The genuine free speech people. I'll go on to that in a bit. Uh, people obviously agree with him. who think it is abhorrent, the, the policy. Um, and they reference the fact that the UN have said that it's not a, a humane uh, bill then there are people who think that he shouldn't have to be impartial because what why um you know he's not doing it at work then there's others who say he's not actually an employee of bbc he's a freelancer and the reason why they've had to uh, suspend him in this way is because there is actually no policy on usage of social media therefore you can't actually suspend him um and then there's others who highlight the fact that a lot of the BBC execs have donated money to to the Labour to the Tory Party um, of the former uh, MPs of the Tory Party who have arranged personal loans for Boris Johnson. So lots of links to the Tory Party, and they're saying you know it's impartial until you go against the government and the irony is this lots of ironies in this one the reference to 1930s germany for being a fascist state then getting someone suspended for opposing the government with the use of free speech someone accuses you of being violent and then you punch them in the face is what's happened here Number two, he referenced 1930s Germany. Notice he doesn't actually reference the years of the war. It's 1930s. Why? Because 1930s is the lead up to the war. It's when Hitler gets into power. And what tends to happen when we look at tyranny from the past is we tend to look at when they're the most tyrannical and when the monster is there. And we go, oh, this is nothing like the monster. This thing that we're talking about now, this is nothing like the monster. Six million Jews. It's nothing like that. Here's the thing. Monsters are created. They don't come out of nowhere. They're not these alien beings that come from far away from different planets. They're here. They're humans. They're amongst us. They are also within us. We all have the capability of being monsters. And we say we want to learn from the past, but yet we ignore every lesson there is and the thing is that people remember Hitler didn't just come from out of space and a monster and just kill six million people 
in one go. On his, you know, is that was that his first manifesto? Was that the come and take over? Was it a military coup? Was it a dictatorship? No, it's a democratic vote, democratic election. This man was voted in through campaigning, through propaganda and campaigning. This man's party was voted in. He became a legitimate leader of that country, of a Western country, a civilised country, and then went on and murdered people, state-sanctioned murder. And how did that happen? Through the media. Through how people perceived other groups. How people perceived Jews, how people perceived Turks, how people perceived uh, blacks, how people perceived homosexual, how people perceived handicapped. All these different groups. And I said it wasn't an extreme thing from the first, from the jump. It was very logical. Oh, we've got an issue with our economy. Guess who it's due to? Oh, we've got an issue with healthcare. Guess who that's due to? You know, and it's those things that we are hearing now. It's a group, groups of people always getting scapegoated, being having the finger pointed at them. And that's what's happening. You've got, they got to the point where you have uh, hotels that house these asylum seekers in Liverpool, having fires set up outside them. Liverpool, the People's Republic of Liverpool, it's probably the most left-wing city this country has. It's got to them. This is what it does. People talk about them coming over here on boats. How can they come all the way across Europe? get to France, and still want to come here. Right, let's break down the numbers. I ain't got the exact numbers, but I do know this. The UK doesn't take in as many refugees and asylum seekers as Germany or as France. So the idea that they're coming across the world, skipping through these countries and getting to the UK in droves, in swarms, it isn't not true. Number two, if you've signed up to this, uh, the international it convention of I think it's refugees or asylum seekers, then you have people have the right to seek asylum in your country. The UK has signed up to that. Put it like this: If I am from, say, Syria, and my brother, because you've got to remember, these asylum seekers. They're just reduced to asylum seekers. These asylum seekers weren't just asylum seekers before a war kicked off. Yeah, they weren't asylum seekers. They were doctors and lawyers and cleaners and humans. Just human beings living their life. So let's say this Syrian person actually has family here in London. Why on earth is he going to go and seek asylum in France? He's a doctor. Whole surgery is blown up. But no, no, stay in France. Just be over there. No, maybe he's got a brother here. You at least have some family. If I'm going to restart from nothing, can I at least restart from one? Just to help me out a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, though, it's just that I know most people listen to this pod that aren't against asylum seekers anyway. But I don't know, it's just maybe that will equip you with an argument to give anyone else who's against it because really it boils down to the point of if, if the UK aren't taking 
the highest amount. If you can't take in amounts higher than they can uh, deal with, then really just means you want to reduce the number. But what do you want to reduce the number to? Because let's say it's 40,000. Right, that's too high. Like 20,000? 10,000. I guarantee you, if you keep on going down, the person you argue will never say, yeah, okay, that's the number. There will never be a right number. Because the number in the head is zero. Zero asylum seekers. And it's just not how it works. Especially if you signed up to a convention to agree to take them. But I don't know. I don't know. But, back to the tweets in question. Then um, I said I was going to talk about the Free Speech Brigade. And it's funny, it's exposed the arse of a lot of them. Because a lot of the Free Speech Brigade aren't actually Free Speech Brigade. They are just right-wing people bitching and moaning about left-wing people. Now, I like to see myself as, I know, in, in the middle. I'm left-wing on some things, right-wing on others. But it's just like... A lot of the Free Speech Brigade I know, social comedy, were more right-leaning. And I've always believed that the Free Speech Brigade... Was just people who just wanted to say offensive shit and want people to laugh at it, even if it wasn't funny. They'd say something offensive, people wouldn't laugh, and they'd go, Oh, you're too woke. And everyone in the crowd's like, Nah, we was just laughing at disabled people just a few minutes ago. I'm not too woke. It's just a joke, ain't funny. And then the comedian processed that as, Ah, liberal, left, wokey, this. Wokarate, tofu eating. And it came that. And so it's free speech, I can't get to say what I want. I'm just defending free speech. Cool. And Gary Linker comes. Left wing flex. But talks about free speech. Piers Morgan backs him. For me, my respect for Piers Morgan on that in, on this particular topic goes high. There because it's like you aren't just a right leaning man, man, the liberal left, what because he does talk about woke and things like that. But if he's defending Gary Lineker, then it's like, well, he actually does care about free speech. I've seen other people, more right wing commentators, who just want to have a dig at Gary Lineker. And it's like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought you were banging that free speech drum. But now someone says an opinion that's not yours. Get rid of him. <laughs> and I'm not just going to attack one side. I've got left-leaning friends who are going, oh, how comes Alan Sugar can say this, but he can't get rid of Alan Sugar? I said, no, no, no. You've got to react to this and imagine it's someone saying something you didn't want to hear or didn't agree with. How would you want the BBC to deal with it then? And one of my friends said, I've got to be honest with you, mate, I... I I, I actually can't do that mental exercise <laughs> because I can't do I think that other person is suspended because I think they're fundamentally wrong in what they said and I go well you can't make policies then you know what I mean it's, it's being able to ignore what the person said and actually look at the topic look at the subject the issue I said there's something there's a lot of free speech people who bang on about free speech all over their Facebook all day but been silent on this. I thought this would be a massive issue for them. Um, yeah, it's crazy. 
But Gary don't think he's gonna it's gonna drag on. I mean the guy's not been an employee, he's a freelancer, hence why he works for BT Sport as well. Um I think BBC has shot themselves in the foot because what they've done, they've exposed that they are under some kind of Tory uh, leadership. And it, yeah, it just makes them look bad. It makes them look really, really bad. I kind of want to watch Matters Day just to see what it looked like. Um, but I think I'll just watch the highlights on YouTube. Solidarity with Gary and that stand of Gary. But anyway, um, that's something that's happening. In the news, in uh, my life, when it came across my radar, um, is there anything else? Let's see. Quick check, quick check, quick check. Um, no, not, not see anything else. Um, A match of day is trending. What was it saying? Um. <laughs> everyone's just yeah, it's everyone's laughing at match of the day having no commentary really. So yeah, cool, interesting. Um, R.M.P. Ian, who, Ian who? Ian Sterling? What? Oh, wait, no, he's a different Ian Sterling. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, it's still bad, as was the comedian, Ian Sterling. Um, right. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's other stuff trending on Twitter. I don't think there is. I don't think there's anything. Lineker Gate. Nope, and Jonathan Ross is trending as well. But, yeah, the BBC's a shambles at the moment anyway. Anyway, yeah, you punished Lineker, but any kind of, got they've always got that Achilles heel. They punished Lineker, but he's got the Jimmy Savile thing in the past. <laughs> it's always there in the back pocket. Anyway, let's get on some Dear Deirdre. Dear Deirdre, um, sex with my gorgeous cousin is amazing and I now can't bear to be intimate with my boyfriend. That is disgusting. Please don't let it be a first cousin. Please, please, please just say if you cousin in a general term. Maybe your parents are good friends. Please, please. Let's see. Dear Deirdre, Family get-togethers are certainly more exciting since I started having sex with my gorgeous cousin. Oh, this just hurts to read this. But I say, because I know some people, cousins are just no one to them. Whereas to me, they're, they're like siblings that I just don't talk to as often. But they're like siblings. So I'm confused by the sentence. But let's continue. This wild affair is reckless, but I'm addicted to the illicitness of our hookups and the unpre- unpredictability of it all. 
I'm 31, a female, and should know better. I thought I was settled with a... And you're cheating as well, Jesus. I thought I was settled with a generous, loving boyfriend who I've been with for seven years. He is 36 and great in every way. Everyone tells me I couldn't have wished for a lovelier man. My cousin is my dad's sister's son. You lot are really related. Now, I know it's legal. This is actually legal. But, man. Like, do you actually grow up together and stuff? He's also 36 and has made it clear he isn't looking for anyone to settle down with, especially not his cousin. We met up four months ago at a welcome home party for his sister who had been travelling abroad. We all... We have always got on well, but this time there was something about the way he was looking at me. It was clear he was think he was taking me in, appreciating what he saw. We could both feel the electricity. I am really confused. I'm just confused. I I have attractive cousins. I know this because their Instagram followers are some of my friends from comedy. <laughs> I know this because when one of my cousins came to a gig of mine to watch me, people like, the MC was like, "Raw, who's that? I was chatting to her and then she said, oh, my cousin's performing. And they're like, "Raw, wait, 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 wait. Who backstage is your cousin? And it's like, Darren. And they were like, oh, oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know. Not once have I looked at this woman and thought, yes, please. No. Like, it's just, it, I can acknowledge she's good looking. And I said, Instagram says so. The mandem said so. <laughs> but I just don't. It's like, it's not even, how do I describe it? It's not even like it's a, a line you don't cross. To me, it's like, there's a line that's not even there. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even the line to cross. She's she's not on the other side of a line that like, oh, she wasn't like, do you know what I mean? That's, that's what a line you don't cross uh, like, implies to me. That if things were different, you would you would actually go over there. For me, it's like no, it's there. There's just no, there's no line to cross. It's just it's not a thing. It's the, you know what I mean, it's not it's not a thing. You don't do it. I don't get it. He's your cousin, like no. I, like that said to me, it's just like siblings. And even like, I'll give these people a pass. I'll give them a pass if they didn't grow up around each other. But I've met cousins in my 20s. And the moment I know they're my cousin, it's like, oh, cool, we're family. It's just, I know, it's like it's hard for me to articulate because I've never had to articulate why I wouldn't bang my cousin <laughs> but these people they've actually made my head hurt oh god anyway we've always got on well oh god we've always got on well 
so you've known each other. But this time there was something that right. But even as we spoke, all I could think about was being in bed with him. Before he left for the evening, he pressed his number into my hand and whispered that it would be fun if I called him. Man, so you don't have each other's numbers. So that that creates some distance. Because like, I'm in a WhatsApp group with all my cousins. Both sides of the family. Dad's side of the family, mum's side of the family. But that's something I didn't even grow up with like half the people in the group. But we're in a WhatsApp group together. So my mum's side of the family as well. WhatsApp group with all my cousins. But um yeah. Mental. Um, I knew exactly what that meant. I did it for a week before I rang him. He suggested we meet in a pub for a meal. It ended up being a very boozy dinner. Then he suggested we have a coffee at his. Right, take the cousin shit out of the way. <laughs> Do you know them fake meetings? Them fake... Uh, the fake... What's the word? Pretense. The What's the word, man? It's like the... It's the preamble. The some of you shouting it down down the pod. You know what I mean? It's, it's not it's not facade, it's not those words. But it's like we we've got to do this bit first. Even though we both know what we're doing, we have to do this bit first so we have that kind of plausible deniability. We can give it the whole one thing led to another. I've I've done it. Obviously not with a cousin, Jesus. Yeah. Girl used to um right, let's not bait it up. Girl I went to the same educational establishment with they go I've been to four different educational establishments, so you have to sift through that. <laughs> While we was at the educational establishment, we never really spoke to each other that much directly. Then um and our uh, our partners at the time, I was friends with her fella, and she was friends with my missus at the time, where it was at the educational establishment. And then after we left the educational establishment, uh, we had um, kissed once at a New Year's party. But it was like a drunken thing, and it was all mess. And lots of people were messing around. It was like nothing. It wasn't actually a romantic kiss at all. It was like within a game we was playing. So it was nothing. Then, what three years after that, we start talking on the internets. Let's meet for a coffee. We met for a coffee. Uh, we sat there for three hours. We even ordered a second coffee. And we were just chatting away. And I remember telling my mates who I'd just met. Hey, we'd be doing today. So I met so-and-so. And my mate went. Oh, I didn't know you wanted to have sex with her. I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, blatantly what's happening. I was like, no. We just met for coffee. Jeez, I don't know what coffee means to you, mate. It's not like we just had sex in the coffee shop. And he was like, mate, look. Why, why are you bullshitting me? I've been friends for years. I don't understand why you're why you're doing this. Oh, I don't understand what you're saying. And he goes, all right, so you're just mates. I'm like, yep. 
just just makes because even though you never used to speak back at that educational establishment, I was like, yeah, we're mates. And he goes, right, so you're mates, proper mates, because for you, you're not going to hang out again? And I was like, uh, I was like, shit, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, where? And I was like, it's going to a bar. And he was like, oh, you're blatantly got a shack. <laughs> and I was like, nah, 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 nah. In my head, I was like, I hope so. And this is what's happened here. This for you, like, it's just this the nonsense of meeting up for because you know, in your mind, you know what you're doing is a bit wrong. We knew what we were doing a bit wrong because it was like, oh, my my ex was your mate, your ex was my mate, but we're not really mates to them now. But you know, they may invite us to a birthday if it ever happens, and it's that kind of thing. You two knew as cousins that you couldn't just simply go around each other's house and bang you had to pretend just go for a meal Wait, do you want to eat i'm not really that hungry you thirsty yeah what do you like a bottle of wine why to justify the thing that's already on my mind while i'm sober give me the bottle of wine i don't know what's happening here anyway we ended up being very boozy dinner then he suggested we have coffee it's his this guy doesn't have any coffee the guy doesn't have any cups. The guy probably doesn't have a fucking kitchen. We don't have any of these things. When we got there, he opened another bottle of wine. See, do you notice he didn't even say a bottle of wine in the pub? I just knew there was bottles of wine involved. No, them ones. A bottle of wine is such a declaration of what the night is. I mean, you meet someone who's got, oh, I'm having a beer. I'll have a glass of wine. I'll have a cocktail. That's like... The, the night might get there, but... We're going to take steps. Bottle of wine that says, We are getting from A to Z. We're going to Z. A bottle of wine. Because you know what you order after one bottle of wine? Another bottle of wine. Because you're in a round. <laughs> I bought a bottle of wine. You need to buy a bottle of wine. Now you've both drank a bottle of wine. And everyone knows, you know, some alcohols make you violent. But listen, wine goes straight to the penis. It's just a fact. Wine goes straight to the penis. So, silly. It's just silly. This this whole pretense. But let's see their game. Uh, when we got there, um, we opened another bottle of wine and we went upstairs. Ooh. We couldn't wait to get each other, get each other's clothes off and had the most uninhibited sex ever. It was amazing. To be fair, sex uh, seasoned with wrongness is a hell of a dish. <laughs> that's what that's what this is. <laughs> that's what this is. This is some of the most wrongness ever. Over seasoned the dish. Now we meet regularly and the sex is still incredible. The problem is, the more I'm with him, the stronger my feelings become. And there you go. What's going to happen now? Because I'm telling you, he's not having feelings. He might even give it to you. Whoa, we can't get together. We're cousins, you sicko. Um, the problem is, <laughs> the more I'm with him, the stronger my feelings become. 
I'm not kidding myself. I know it will only ever be just sex because I can't tell anyone because of all the family upset it would cause. I can't bear it with my... Oh, shit, I forgot you have a partner. I can't bear it when my partner touches me. Now, all I think about is my incredible cousin. Golly. Listen, you understand this. If your cousin is willing to cross the line and uh, smash you, He's not a serious guy. <laughs> Your cousin is just a straight up animal. That's all he is. He's a straight up animal. Um, you use his prey. This is predation. You use his prey. I don't say predator. I don't mean he's a predator, but I mean he's he's a lion. You you is a, you are a, a zebra. So yeah. Just, my advice to you is please stop banging the cousin um, I think you need, to, you need to split up with your boyfriend though. don't tell him no don't tell him why just just split up with your boyfriend um, yeah just split up with him <laughs> because if you get married your cousin's going to be at your wedding and that's going to be crazy you can't give your, your husband can't be having on his wedding day handshakes with your cousin and he's and your cousin's giving him a look, and he's like, "What the fuck is that look?" You know, you know look, I fucked your missus. Look, you know, what I mean, even if you're, even the look of I'm trying to not show you I smashed your missus is a look. You gotta be slightly sociopathic to be able to do it. If you can just feel just mad comfortable around someone's partner who you've smashed, then you're a bit of a sociopath. You know, it should it should be a bit awkward. It's respectful for it to be a bit awkward. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Had enough. My brother-in-laws are cheats and liars, and I want to report them to their workplaces. What do they do? Both my brother-in-laws are liars and cheats, and I love to report them to their workplaces. I'm 47, my wife is 49. She's lovely, but all the men in her family are rotten through and through. My brothers think nothing of getting signed off with stress from work. They know how to work the system, so they get full pay for weeks while they swan about on holiday. My youngest brother-in-law helps himself to any cash left on the sideboard when he visits, and he's done the same to their nan. Jesus, my wife has always taught me about reporting them. Has always taught me out of reporting them, but now I've had enough. I was made redundant three months ago, and the doctor says I'm suffering from depression. We're broken, and they're getting away with murder. Ah, dear. Yeah, you might actually end up killing your brothers-in-law. So you need to tell your wife that. Listen, I'm a violent man, but I've gone through a lot, and I will murder your brothers. Tell them to stay away from the house. That's it, really. Um. Right, last one, last one. Um. Uh, Oh, actually, there's two, there's two, there's two. I've fallen for best friend's ex and don't know whether to ask her on a date. Dear Deirdre, I've fallen for my best friend's ex and don't know whether to ask her on a date. 
or avoid it out of respect for my mate. I'm 25, my best friend is also 25, his ex is 23. They were together for a year, but had quite a nasty breakup because she thought he was cheating. Was he? You were <coughs> his mate. He's a proper flirt, but I don't think he actually strayed. Okay. They are friendly now, but he did tell me soon after the their breakup that he couldn't bear the thought of her with anyone else. Then leave her alone then, mate. Last week, I received a text from her telling me she likes me. I feel the same. What is this? My friend doesn't know about any of this. What should I do? Now your friend's setting you up. Your friend doesn't like you. I don't. Just Why does she text you out of the blue that she likes you? Either she's trying to fuck with you. Obviously, fuck with your mate and use you. Or he's behind it somehow. I just don't see that she actually likes you, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah. So, but yeah, if she does, just they just leave it. There's so many other women in the world. Unless your connection is that mad, then just leave it. Just seriously, just leave it. Um, right, last one, last one, last one. I keep having sex dreams about my co-workers, and it's freaking me out. Uh, okay. I keep having sex dreams about my co-workers, customers, and boss, and it's really unsettling me. I don't even fancy any of them, so why is my brain creating images? Okay, that that is mad. That is mad. I mean, I've I've had that in dreams before. I've had sex with women that I just weren't attracted to at all, and I just remember just waking up and be like, that is that is annoying. <laughs> like, on what level am I attracted to this person for them to be in my dream? What did that represent? Because that was horrendous. I felt like I couldn't stop myself in this dream. This, I'm really upset. Um, so I don't fancy any of them. So why is my breakup creating these images? I'm 19, female, and working in a large bakery. I feel so awkward for the entire day after I remember that it's unsettling dreams. It's so embarrassing, I can't even look at the people afterwards, let alone talk to them. Do I need to change job? <laughs> I've just started seeing a new boyfriend and I really like him. But if I'm having dreams like this, does it mean I'm being unfaithful? No. How old are you? Let me go back again. You're 19. Yeah, this is mad. Perhaps I need to finish with him. What is going on with me and why does this keep happening? No, imagine finishing your boyfriend because you're thinking about another guy's baguette at the bakery. Unconsciously as well, like you're not even controlling these thoughts. It's not like you're in your room with, you know, with your toys. Thinking about Greg from the bakery. I, don't, I can't remember another name, guys. I'm sorry. Thinking about Greg from the bakery. That's one thing. And even then, that's a debate. Some people might say that's not cheating. Others might say it is. Um, you probably wouldn't tell your missus about it, right? Be <laughs> your fellow about it. If you was uh, having a masturbation over someone from work. So, no, maybe. Maybe it counts as cheating. Um, but yeah, but does he just have a dream? Absolutely involuntarily. Yeah, don't give up on your on your boyfriend. I know you're 19, um, but that's really dumb. <laughs> right, I think that's the end of the pod. I've definitely gone over an hour. Yeah, I've gone over an hour. Right, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Well done, me. Got the pod done. Um, I guess I'll speak to you guys next week. Uh, guess it'll be from the new house. Oh my god, stress. <laughs>